The meeting of two personalities is like the contact of two chemical substances. If there is any reaction, both are transformed. That's a quote by Carl Jung. And welcome back to the Unfounded Podcast, everyone. I hope you're doing well out there. It's been, what, let's see, three days since our last episode. Uh, checking in on you again, seeing how you're doing with the Sober October. We are one day away from, well, I guess, basically one day away from halfway through, halfway to Halloween, and uh, things are going well here. Um, well, in some ways. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm feeling good and, and energized, like I said previously, uh, by taking on those burdens, right? By trying to fix myself, uh, by relinquishing the crutches that I've held on to. Have I done it perfectly? Absolutely not. As I've gone over in the first or a couple episodes ago, um, I've been struggling, struggling with nicotine for some reason. It's been the one thing that I haven't been able to really kick yet. And as I talked about in that episode, I think it's very important for you to be easy on yourself during these times when you're demanding a lot of yourself. Uh, because it's very easy to become tyrannical in the way you deal with these issues and situations. It's very easy to demand perfection of yourself, as we talked in the last episode, or maybe this two, two ago, yeah. But that expectation can actually lead you astray, as funny as it seems. You know, I've been, for some reason, having a, a hard time the last month or so, energetically. Um, I've been tired at a deep level. And I think there's two kinds of tired you can experience in this world. There's like the physical tired that I think most of us associate with being ran down, exerting yourself, your physical body, over-exerting over your physical body, right? But I also think there's a way that you can become deeply tired energetically, that you can feel depleted at a deep level in a way that when it manifests uh, is just like all-consuming. Um, I just came home yesterday. I'd been working, you know, I've been working with my uh, my friend uh, for his company doing vinyl car wraps, right? And, and signs, printing, things like that, right? And it's been quite an experience because, you know, a lot of the things that have happened with COVID have, have made it very hard on businesses like his to make it during this time. And so you have a lot of stress that comes downward in that. And at the same time, um, the actual job itself I've found has been deeply challenging in ways I wasn't expecting. Um, one of the things I've noticed about myself through this journey we've been on is that one of my triggers as an individual, one of my shortcomings, fundamental flaws, if you want to put it that way, and that's not really the best way to look at it, but I'm going to refer to it in, in that way now, is that I have an incredible lack of patience that I've noticed as I've watched myself over this time that what usually tends to devolve me or start the process of that downward swing inside of me is something like giving in to an impulse because I'm tired of waiting 
if that makes sense, right? I've noticed this in myself all the way back to very early childhood, and I think that's a really good way you can try to pick out what maybe some of your shortcomings are as as a listener. Um, Just try to think back. What are the things that you've really struggled with, even when you were a kid? What are the things that got you in trouble when you were a kid? What are the emotions and the feelings that, when you feel them, cause you to lose control or lose a sense of control? And a lot of times I think, for me, um, as I was kind of getting to there, this job itself is something that requires an incredible amount of patience and attention to detail, which I think attention to detail is somewhat a product of patience. And so what it's demanded of me is something like a deeper energetic commitment. Because it's not only learning a new process, It's not only learning physically how to do something. It's learning how to hold myself in a place that I find extremely uncomfortable. And to hold myself together while I'm in that place. And the process of doing that is draining, right? has a way of depleting you energetically. But that there's something noble in the seeking of it. I tend to, I have before in my life, and I hope this resonates with you as well in some way, maybe not exactly this way, but I tend to, when I get in those positions of being uncomfortable, deeply uncomfortable, energetically uncomfortable, I I run. I run away from it. Because in the way you experience that discomfort is something like pain, like deep pain. And I have a belief that that's one of the ways in which our hurdles manifest. Our like life hurdles, the things that we're meant to get over as individuals to become something bigger, something better. To become who we're supposed to be. And it's actually the process of running away in those moments of crisis and pain and trying to flee from it that causes us to swing back around and experience it again. Something like a vicious cycle. And I believe this is also one of the reasons why at a root you'll find that many people get caught in these loops. And they're very individual, specific to each person. Like I just pointed out, mine is something like impatience and an anger and agitation, a violent aspect of me that wants to come out. And the holding back of that, when I'm in those places that demands patience of me, the holding back of that and holding it is something like a pain, a suffering. And that by running away from that, by trying to escape the pain itself, you do not remedy it. You do something like make it build or make it stronger. As we've talked about before, as Carl Jung describes, uh, as Jordan Peterson, who is very influenced by Carl Jung, often describes, 
those things we run away from have a tendency to grow. Those dragons become bigger. The threat becomes more unbearable, thus reinforcing our decision to run away. But it's something like every time you encounter that dragon again and see that it's grown, you feel like a lesser thing, something that's incapable of handling it. Right? But you aren't. It's actually the fear of being inadequate inside of each of us in whatever way that manifests for you that really perpetuates that cycle, perpetuates that cycle of pain and suffering. That choosing to sit in those places where you are not well put together is exactly what causes you to put yourself together. (laughs) I want to kind of go back to the quote that I started with and try to tie it in a little bit for you. The meeting of two personalities is like the contact of two chemical substances. If there is any reaction, both are transformed. I think this in some ways speaks of ego. That each and every one of us have a conception of who we are. And that conception of who we are is limiting. It's a border we place around ourselves. Because it doesn't only define what we're proud of, it doesn't only define what we're proud of, it defines what we're scared of as well. And defining those fears as solid, something that's immovable, a barrier in which you can't get over, is what inspires inside of each of us a sense of inadequacy. And that I believe that there's certain individuals that you can come across in your life very, very specific people. And they're going to be different for each individual. But that it's something like people who bring out the aspects inside of you that scare you the most. The parts of you that feel inadequate and not well put together. that when you meet these kind of people there is no choice in that reaction it's something fundamental like the way two chemicals react and that that process of changing And reacting a lot of times can be painful because if we think of those two chemical substances as an ego, as egos, as individuals, then that reaction demands change in both of them, not just one. And that change of any sort is energetically depleting. It requires sacrifice. Sacrifice of the old for the new at a fundamental level. And so when this happens, 
oftentimes when you come across these people, many times we run. Just like we would run from anything else that holds us in a place of pain or brings up the things that terrify us internally. But in reality, it's something like the process happens either way. (laughs) Because it's fundamental. The resistance to change doesn't stop the change. It only prolongs it. And oddly enough, prolongs the suffering aspect of that change. The holding on to those egos, those identities, is exactly what... makes us feel like we're being torn apart. Because I believe at a deep level that there's reasons you're supposed to run into these individuals, these certain people. And I hope that there's somebody who you're thinking of right now, as I'm talking through this, that this resonates with. They're easy to pick out because they stand out. Something like individuals that have this unintended effect. Something like individuals that regardless of how hard you try to push them away or how hard you try to get away, they, they change you. And one of the things I'm realizing right now for myself, and I have been realizing over this time period, is that that change is something I have been going through. And that many times, most of the time, it's been incredibly painful and uncomfortable. But that change is exactly what's produced this. The real me. The person that isn't filtered. Or is doing their damnedest to not be. And someone who wants truth and honesty and tries to search through it inside of themselves, not externally. I think that's something that each of us are demanded. And it speaks of your individuality, your willingness to go through that process. I'm going to talk spiritually in this podcast, guys. And I'm... I want to tell you from the very get-go, it's not because I'm trying to convince you of the way that I view things. I have no intention of that. I'm simply trying to describe the ways in which this experience has manifested inside of me. Because it has been something like a spiritual awakening. Spurred by the reaction that I had towards a very specific individual. For a long time, I shut off what I would have called my faith. As I've gone over before, I was raised Roman Catholic, and when I was a kid, I believed that I had a very 
deep trust in the existence of something bigger. And I'm not referring to a guy sitting on a cloud, but that the idea that my life itself is meant to be something bigger than I can imagine at that point. That it's something like I'm supposed to figure out how to make what is meant to be into reality. That I'm the thing that finds the map. That there isn't a defined path for how to get there. That I'm the thing that makes it. But I had a hard time kernelizing that idea or, or, or defining that as with the language of a child, right? <laughs> with the understanding of a child, with the experience of a child. And there's some necessity to the experience of life, the suffering that it entails, that gives you the tools, the language, the perspective required to dictate your map. I believe that the human being is much more than a meat suit. It's much more than a mechanism. It's much more than a mechanistic avatar, as we like to think of it in the secular world. It's such a disservice we do when we think of the body as something genetically predisposed. something constrained by the size or amount of <laughs> neurological activity, right? Because it's, it, it, it denies, it denies human, the human being's true purpose, which is to define maps, to chart new courses, and there's no way to explain why and how people repeatedly over throughout history, the people that we celebrate the most, why they have been able to blaze new trails. We do those individuals a disservice when we think about them, when we teach our children about them, because the way we describe these individuals is something like we place them on pedestals as if they were born innately and genetically predisposed to be the thing that would blaze a new path. They had an entrepreneurial spirit or some shit like that, right? And that there's some aspect that you can, or what I think a lot of our educational system has tried to do is figure out a way to train, to nurture people into being all that same thing. And it's in a really shitty job of that. Because the function of the human being is deeply spiritual. Deeply. I believe that you can have something like, as many religions have described throughout history, regardless of time and space, something like a spiritual awakening in your life. If you want it. And oddly enough, it's just as real when you go through these experiences as eating food. 
as tasting. It's a sense. It is the sixth sense. I think one of the things we train out of people in in the education system as well is their ability to feel. I'm not talking touch. I'm talking emotion. Why do you cry at a movie when somebody dies? Why do you twitch and squirm when you're watching a horror movie and something violent happens to somebody? Why can you almost feel that? I think the secular world we would be saying you're insinuating or filling in the gaps. Your brain is filling in the gaps for what that might feel like, right? I think it's something deeper than that. I think there's a perspective shift you can have if you want to there, that it isn't something like that. It's not deterministic. It's not linear. I believe that you can experience the feelings and the emotions of other individuals regardless of time and space. I think many people throughout history have been able to do this. And oddly enough, I think I've been able to find, especially through going through a lot of these quotes, as we go through them, I think you'll see as well, the people with the most ground, the most shattering, groundbreaking ideas are tuned into this. They're following an internal dialogue one that can't be defined by anything outside of themselves. Because if it was, it would cease to be novel. Immediately. And then I think there is, in some way, meaning to you and your life. Very specific meaning. One of the ways in which this meaning can be demonstrated to you is by having one of these very transformational experiences with somebody else. By coming into contact with somebody in which a reaction happens either way. I try to avoid talking about this, what I'm about to talk about, because I think the way in which the subject I'm about to approach is often referred to and talked about by individuals that are prevalent in it is something like it is egotistical in nature. That the term empath or being empathic or psychic or... Being able to feel the emotions of other individuals, being able to sense what's going on with other people, people that you have a deep connection with, being able to feel their pain and their hurt regardless of, of time and space, and oftentimes being failing to be able to describe why your emotions switch in those ways. I think that's something like a sixth sense inside the human being. I think there's a lot of people that latch on to that idea of being an empath or a psychic as an ego thing. 
they incorporate it into their ego and then make it seem as if it's something special that they have that you can never attain. I'm psychic. I'm empathic. You can hear the egoism in it, in the statement itself, right? But that means that other people aren't? I think being empathic, being psychic is an innate human ability. I think it's a form of communication, an inbuilt structure that we have as human beings, something that connects us to the thing that generates maps, the things that generates meaning, the thing that generates novelty. It's that's how you connect with it, people. And that you don't have to be born like predisposed to be a psychic. That what you have to do is something like develop yourself critically. And as you develop yourself critically, these systems turn on automatically. And that once you have that flip switch go on, there's no turning back. But that there's a very specific hurdle to having that switch flip on and it's choice you choosing whether you want it on because one thing that it will create inside of you it'll make you realize just how out of control you are just how little you control everything even your thoughts Your thoughts are not yours. You don't create them. There's no man inside your head hammering away at a piece of rock. Here's one thought. There you go, mouth. Speak it out. Here's another thought. Go speak it out. It doesn't work that way. You're not sitting up. A miniature version of you isn't sitting inside of your head creating what you're saying, which is how we think about it. Your thoughts are divine. And there's an entire conversation constantly going that is specific to you that you can tune in tune into. And one of the ways that you can start to tune into this is to be critical of yourself and to watch your thoughts. Because what you'll notice is this is a good way to do it. The next time you experience a shift emotionally that you have a hard time figuring out why you're mad or sad or whatever happens, right? Don't just leave it at the surface. Actually actually ask yourself, where did that come from? Start that internal dialogue. Where did that come from? You may not get an answer right away, but if you listen, you're going to eventually get an answer. That's the switch flipping on. There's entities and beings much bigger than you and I that are constantly begging you to flip that switch on. Because it's the individuals in this world that believe that they're in full control that fuck it up the worst. I've had so many examples of that in my own life, it's impossible to deny. And I have a feeling you have too. 
The people that, mo- that are the most destructive are the ones that think that they're in control. The people you want in power are the ones that would relinquish it. The people that you want in power are the ones that recognize exactly how inadequate they are to be in power. (laughs) But that you have to get comfortable with the idea that you're not in control of even your thoughts to be able to actually just start listening. To turn on that psychic ability. Because you have it. I truly and fundamentally believe this. The awakening that I've experienced over this last year is something that was not here most of my life and that I argued against most of my life, most of my adult life, that I pushed away, that I would have called somebody crazy for even insinuating or I would have labeled them as a witch doctor or somebody a snake oil salesman or somebody just trying to make money or profit off of that. And the shame is, is there's so many people that actually do that. They give these titles, these names, these innate abilities a bad fucking name. They do a disservice to all of humanity because they quiet an innate sense inside of most of us by manipulating it and taking advantage of it. The meaning of two personalities is like the contact of two chemical substances. If there is any reaction, both are transformed. I believe that the situation that Carl Jung is talking about right now, every single person will come across somebody like this in their life. There are people in your life that you will come across that pull you apart at the seams regardless of how badly you want to escape them that you can't escape no matter how hard you get try to get away the reason that you can't the reason you can't escape them is you've already been changed simply by meeting them the process the chemical reaction is already taking place you're already something different what's being demanded of, of you or asked of you in those situations is to figure out what that reaction is going towards, what you're turning into, and to embrace it. That the only way to turn on this psychic ability I've been talking about, the empathic abilities, is to be able to tear down the walls you've placed between you and those abilities. And that many times it's necessary for that reaction to be kickstarted by somebody outside of you. Otherwise, we have a tendency to just slip into comfort. Because the reaction itself requires, at a fundamental level, level energetic depletion. It requires those reactions cr- create heat. 
they require energy to continue. But that you don't have a choice in that reaction. That the energy is going to be depleted either way. And that many times when that energetic depletion starts to happen, we run. And the ways we run is by comforting ourselves. By running to the things, the crutches, the things we're giving up right now in Sober October that keep you from feeling it. By numbing yourself. By lying to yourself. By telling yourself you're somebody that's better than that. Or doesn't need anybody else. Or already knows who they are. Do you? Because I don't know who the fuck I am. So how do you know who you are? There's a way in which truth distills. And while I truly believe, as I've argued before in these other episodes, of something like a subjective reality, that your truth and your reality are tied, your subjective reality are tied together, and that nobody can take that away from you, that it's something intrinsically it's something critical to you defining your map to defining your path and your purpose that you aren't controlling that you're not defining it you're not up in your head chiseling it out you're being guided towards it there's an entire dialogue that you can have with the things that are bigger than yourself The entities, the deities, whatever you want to call them, they exist, people, and they're just waiting for you to talk to them. And they'll talk back. Many of you may be like, this guy has lost his marbles. (laughs) You can take that opinion. I feel sorry for you. (laughs) Because this is a dialogue I never want to shut off. I don't ever want to go back to whatever secular view you're sitting in. But if you're comfortable there, stay comfortable. (laughs) I don't think you are. I think if you're listening to me right now and you have been following this podcast up until this point, you've been doing the work. Or you've at least been attempting to. And I think that's something like whatever deity or whatever higher power is guiding you, whatever day it is, that's something like them saying, you're, you're, come on, let's do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's something like a knowing. It's like, you know you're meant for more than this, what you've experienced up until this point. You're not meant to just sit on the couch and eat. You're not meant to just go around and have sex with whoever you want. You're not meant to just go and watch movies or fuck off or generate a big bank account. You're not meant to fill your head with useless bullshit to stay perpetually in school, to try to make yourself into some corporate fucking entity or being, something that has power. You're not meant for any of that. You're meant to do something different than that. Does, I mean, does the process of getting there maybe entail some of the things I just went over? Sure. It's a process. You should never stop growing. 
You should never be there. There is no finish line, folks. There is no end to this race. The people that produce the most beauty in the world are the ones that never stop. They never stop working on themselves. They never stop trying to figure out how much they have hurt and fucked up other people's lives. How much the inadequacy that they've allowed to exist in this world that was them, how that's affected other people, right? Those are the people that don't do it again. Those are people of honor. Those are people who are tuning in to what's being asked of them. Being a good person doesn't mean being a benign person. It doesn't mean you're not dangerous. Carl Jung has talked about this before as well. Jordan Peterson talks about it too. You should treat yourself as something that is exceedingly dangerous. The most dangerous thing that the universe knows is the human being. Because of all of its capacity... That what makes us different is our ability to choose and define paths. And that evil is associated with the human being and isn't existent in nature because outside of the human being, because the souls of those other beings, those animals, are not capable of that. They're not capable of that kind of choice, of that kind of knowing of an innate higher knowing that what they're doing is either righteous or not. That that is really one of the defining qualities about human beings. And that's why we are the guidepost, the thing that aligns, that, that says there's something better. And it's the process of each individual human being making themselves better that makes the world better. And I see a whole lot of that starting to come out of this really horrible fucking year that I'm so tired of, as I'm sure you are, that I see people finally starting to connect with something higher. I see more posts on, on, on Facebook and social media about people rediscovering something like a spirituality, regardless of where it is or where it comes from. Of people be standing in their own skin, of people getting on there and playing music, of, 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 of showing their art to the world, of, of actually expressing the beauty that is them, the individuality that is them, front and center. I see so much more of that, and I hope you do too, because that's what we need, folks. I think it's happening. This suffering, this pain that everybody's been going through, is, is, it's not all for naught. There's a purpose behind it. And the purpose is to get you to wake the fuck up. I'm sorry for being so aggressive, but sometimes we need that. To know that regardless of what you've been through in the past, what you've done, what mistakes you've made, the kind of pain that you've either intentionally or unintentionally brought on other people, regardless of that, there is still the same path available to you. Never changes. Being who you always were supposed to be is always on the table. Time doesn't fucking exist. 
the past and the future, they don't fucking exist. Now is what exists. Don't let the things that you've done in the past hold you back. Don't let that degrade you. Don't be tyrannical with yourself saying that you in the past, you haven't been able to control this. So, you know, I, I'm going to force you now to control this, right? Don't do that to yourself. There's something like a self-love that's required in this process as well. A recognition of how valuable and beautiful each of us are individually and that you, you need to recognize that first. And it, as it's such a beautiful thing because the more you realize it, the more other people see it in you and the more people are attracted to you, the more people listen to you, the more people want to be around you specifically because of how unique you are. The most attractive people, the most attractive celebrity is the person that is completely and utterly unique. Take Keanu Reeves, for example. There's a reason that people have a fascination, almost a love affair with him. And it's because he embodies everything I'm going over right now. He's kind. He's honest. He's caring. Strong. Willing to speak his mind. Thoughtful. And has done his best to leverage his abilities to provide something like beauty to other people. Inspiration to other people. You can do that too. I'm not saying you're going to be a movie star like Keanu Reeves. I'm saying you can have the exact same effect on people. But first, you got to recognize that you are that same thing. As much as you love those other individuals that you idolize, you should be loving yourself exactly the same way because you are the same fucking thing. Right now. You are the same thing. Why don't you show it to people? That's the only difference. Once you start to look at the world that way, you realize how scared 99.9% of people are. And you'll start to see this ego game I've been going over much more clearly. People really do believe that they're smarter than, <laughs> than the rest of everyone else. And it is so funny to watch <laughs> once you start to see this. That's why I think you have a lot of people that have had something like a spiritual awakening or something embodying, like if you look at a Buddha statue, why he's laughing, right? Completely and utterly that life is a comedy. <laughs> that what you need has been exactly where it's always been, with you. And then it's also can be, if you allow it to be, painful. If you're empathic, right? If you allow that to turn on, you'll feel the pain that other people are going through. When they try to describe their problems and you see people doing the same things that you've done, making the same choices to look outside of themselves, desperate for answers, desperate for meaning in a world that is completely and utterly lacking it in any substantial way, that has never had it in any substantial way. That yes, the world is beautiful. Nature is beautiful. But nature is not different than you. Nature is you. 
So what are you looking at her for? <laughs> right? You're not going to get any meaning out there. It's like Alan Watts, I think, described it the best way I've ever heard it. His conception of what the human being is is something like, or consciousness. What consciousness is is something like the universe looking at itself. God, that's beautiful, isn't it? Gives me chills when I, when I say it. The universe looking at itself. And the point is, why wouldn't you want to look at yourself? <laughs> what, would you rather not? Would you rather just have rocks spinning around? If I was the universe, yeah. I'd want to take a gander too. That's what each of us are. A slightly different perspective on the same thing. But what produces the variability, the diversity in the world, and the upward movement and expansion in the world is the enunciation of those different perspectives. It's necessary. I believe that's also why there's certain individuals, as we read earlier, the meeting of two personalities is like the contact of two chemical substances. If there's any reaction, both are transformed. Something like you have a signature. Your perspective is unique to you. It's a fingerprint. Look at your hand right now. Like actually look at it. Look at your fingerprints. There is no other person on this planet that has that same pattern. Not one. And that's scientifically provable, right? Continuing with the metaphor of a, metaphor of a chemical, right? An element on the periodic table. You are one of those elements, that fingerprint, that hand, that uniqueness, that signature, it's, it's something different than everyone else. But that certain chemicals, certain signatures, when they come into contact, produce something novel. They react by definition. There is no choice. There is no control that either of those substances has in that decision. It happens. It's a happening. Your resistance to that change, man, that's something that will produce more pain than you could ever imagine. It'll do nothing but prolong the reaction. Keeping the transformation at bay. Thus you repeat that cycle. Round and round we go. I hope that you have the courage to try to find 
this sixth sense inside of yourself. Each and every one of you listening to this, I hope you have the courage to turn that switch on to take the leap of faith it requires. Faith is necessary in this. Faith is akin to trust. Trust is, a, is, is relinquishing control. You have to. But that once you do, man, in comes truth. Your truth. Something you've never seen before. Something you've never heard before. And something that as soon as you do see it will bring tears to your eyes. Because it's like witnessing yourself for the first time. It's like meeting yourself for the first time. And it's beautiful and undescribable in certain ways. I want that for each of you. I want that for each of you. And I hope that this has been rejuvenating for you. I hope that you're enjoying these podcasts and I hope that you continue to listen. If you think that this would help anybody else in your sphere of influence, please share it with them. Because I think we really do need people to experience themselves finally. (laughs) And it's something like my purpose, I believe, the reason that I'm here to try to enunciate this process for other people. And so I hope you do it. I hope you test it. Don't take my word for it. Try it out. Lots of love, guys. Until next time. Bye-bye.